Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Andy Murphy. May is spring graduation time for Native students. Both high school and college grads have a new journey ahead of them, either pursuing more education in college, committing to the working world, or maybe taking some time to figure out what's next. Whatever's next, graduation is a milestone capping off a major achievement. We'll take time together to talk with some Native grads about what the occasion means to them. Are you a graduate or do you have one in the family? We'd love to hear from you right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A Lake Superior tribe wants an emergency shutdown of Enbridge's Line 5 oil and gas pipeline on its reservation. As Danielle Kading reports, that's due to fears erosion from spring flooding may compromise the line's integrity. Attorneys for the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa filed an emergency motion in federal court to shut down Line 5. The tribe's attorneys say the Bad River is less than 15 feet from the pipeline at four locations and only 11 feet of riverbank remains in one spot. Bad River Tribal Chair Mike Wiggins Jr. says the situation poses a tangible threat to the Bad River watershed in Lake Superior. Enbridge is all about profit over everything, and uh, we are about our future generations and protecting our ecosystems and downstream resources. Enbridge spokesperson Julie Kellner says the company is extremely disappointed with the tribe's motion. There is no change to the operating condition of Line 5. While some erosion has occurred due to the recent flooding, there is still considerable bank between the river and Line 5, and there is currently no risk to the pipeline, which continues to operate safely. Kellner says a shutdown would have severe consequences for the U.S. and Canada. The tribe's attorneys want a federal judge to rule on its motion by Friday. For National Native News, I'm Danielle Kading. The COVID-19 public health emergency is set to lift Thursday. Over more than three years of the pandemic, Native communities were hit hard. The Mountain West News Bureau's Murphy Woodhouse has more. The numbers are astonishing. CDC data show that compared to white non-Hispanic Americans, indigenous people were 2.5 times more likely to be hospitalized and two times more likely to die. Over the first two pandemic years, Native life expectancy plummeted by six and a half years. Communities are going to be continuing to grapple with the consequences of this for decades to come and even generations to come. Dr. Laura Hammond of the John Hopkins Center for Indigenous Health served as the head of the Navajo Nation's COVID testing coordinating team. She said the tragic disparities are due to a number of factors, including high rates of diseases that raise the risks of COVID infections. But she also pointed to what she called the systemic racism seen in chronic underfunding and understaffing of the Indian Health Service and tribal health organizations. Despite those issues, Hammond says dedicated tribal health care teams have been preparing for the ending of the public health emergency, and she's optimistic that there will still be sufficient funding for free COVID vaccines and testing. I'm Murphy Woodhouse. As the decision from two large tribal organizations to pull out of the Alaska Federation of Natives has begun to sink in, there's mixed reaction from Native leaders. Some have said the news caught them by surprise, but also say growing tension between competing groups at the AFN convention should have been a warning. Clinkett and Haida from Southeast Alaska says it no longer needs AFN's advocacy because it's developed its own capacity to advance its causes. The Tanana Chiefs Conference, which represents villages and interior Alaska is leaving to focus on protecting salmon and subsistence. Some longtime Native leaders have called the move a mistake. Paul Ontaguk, an Alaska historian, agrees. 
about really a fifth of the population of Alaska. So if we're going to influence things, punch above our weight, we have to have a kind of unity that reflects a sense of shared purpose. Since 2019, three regional corporations have pulled out of AFN. Antagog says these departures raise questions about the organization's health. Is it adapting? Is it reflecting the broad spectrum of interests of Alaska Native peoples and organizations. And by pulling out, it's a way of voting publicly, a lack of confidence. Ontagut calls the decision to pull out short-sighted and says if there's a crisis in the future, these organizations will need a group like AFN to speak as one voice for Alaska Natives. He says Unity has made AFN one of the most influential Native organizations in the nation. So far, AFN's longtime president, Julie Kitka, has had no comment. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support by Vision Maker Media, currently seeking two digital media specialists and a director of project productions and services. Information on required qualifications and how to apply at visionmakermedia.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy sitting in for Sean Spruce. It's the time of year for graduations in small reservation high school auditoriums, big city convention centers, tribal college quads, and manicured Ivy League grounds. It will be a year with and without regalia complementing plain caps and gowns, and that's depending on where you are. Native graduates are taking the next step in their educational journey. In this hour, we're celebrating Native grads and talking about all the challenges and triumphs that come with being handed a diploma on the stage. We would love to hear from you, too. Call in and tell us about the grad in your family. How important is education in specific fields to your Native community? We're at 1-800-996-2848. How do you traditionally honor the grads in your family? That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also join us on social media. Just look for Native America Calling on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, joining us now from Portland, Oregon is Dr. Johnny Pulau. He is the Director of Student Success for ACES. That's the American Indian Science and Engineering Society. He's Delaware, Chiricahua, Apache, Comanche, and Kiowa. Welcome to Native America Calling, Johnny. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, so this time of year, uh, you're seeing a lot of students uh, graduate, a lot of students with ACEs, a lot of students maybe in your family. Uh, what does this year, uh, what does this time of year uh, feel like to you as a person who works so closely with a lot of Native students? Oh, this is, <laughs> this is my favorite, I think probably my favorite time of the year mm -hmm. is May. I know it's like busy and they're back-to-back -back graduations, but 
it's just an awesome time to see these students celebrated and um, they work so hard for this and their their path you know their journeys are often difficult and there's often challenges so it's just a wonderful time to see them across the stage and hear their name announced. I just love it. And the families get together and it's just a celebration and it's just such a good feeling all around. This is my favorite time of the year. (laughs) All right. And you just uh, attended a, um, a, a celebration. Tell us about the most recent celebration you went to. Yes. So um, the university of Oklahoma had hosts a American Indian graduation celebration. And this is to recognize um, their native graduates through all of their colleges, you know, all of their um, programs. And so my niece, my cousin, she's from, she's Muscleiro Apache, and she's from um, Muscleiro, and she was coming in. She got her master's in nursing. And so she was driving in. Um, she did a remote program, an online program. And so uh, my family was there, and we got to see her and um it was just really happy, and I came in. I had to come in from Tulsa, but I was really excited to be there and to see her. Um, and I haven't seen her in a few years, so um, that's another thing about the graduations: is time for you know family reunions and people to get back together. Um, but I've, I'm from the University of Oklahoma. I graduated from there. I've worked there, so that's where um, my roots are. And so when I come back, I got to see a lot of the graduates um, that that evening. And it was just so fun to see everyone, and there was just so many, and um, it's just wonderful. I, it was just a fun time to be with them and to um, take pictures and um, see them in their robes and in their regalia and their beaded caps. And like I said, it's just it's just a happy time, and it was just um, it was a fun. But yeah, that was this past this past Friday, so it's almost been a week. Awesome. All right. Well, you know what? Let's bring in a recent grad. Uh, Joining us from Phoenix, Arizona is Dr. Lennon Audrain. He's an assistant research professor at Arizona State University and high school teacher at Mesa Public Schools. He is Cherokee and Shawnee. Welcome to Native America Calling, Lennon. Thank you for having me on today, Andy. Yeah, thank you. All right, so um, we actually got a press release about you. <laughs> you have uh, a lot of graduations, actually, under your belt. You just earned your Ph.D. in education policy and evaluation from ASU, and it is your sixth degree in five years. You earned a master's degree from ASU and Harvard by the time you were 21. You are also an educator. I mean, what drives your passion for education, both for yourself and uh, and others? But Yeah, I think, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic and even before the pandemic, we are in such a unique time in education um, in a time in our society where technology is rapidly advancing. Students are different in ways that they were before previous decades. And my motivation comes from my parents, of course. So my dad is Cherokee and Shawnee. My mom is actually from Thailand. She was a teacher in Thailand. Um, and, and my dad's a teacher now. And so I come from a family of teachers. Um, but I also have just been, you know, uh, as a teacher myself, just watching as students have changed even from when I was in school. I'm, I'm not much older than many of my students. I'm only 23. And so thinking about, you know, what does what do our education systems need now? And, and how do we start to build systems that come and surround students with the community, with the support, with the individuals that they need 
to be successful um, in college, career, and life, um, I think is what motivates me. It's really thinking about the systems that we have to start building and rebuilding to make sure that all students in, in our education system are successful. All right. All right. That's awesome. So, um, you know, education is uh, definitely something you're going to be focusing on a lot in the future. Uh, But uh, what kind of obstacles did you face in your educational journey? Yeah, I think uh, it was twofold. I think one um, was age, was a lot of it. Um, and, and with that was the lack of experience that people thought came with my age. And so, you know, I started teaching really young. I was 18 when I when I had my first roster of students. Um, and, you know, just going through different institutions and, and, and coming to terms with um, my native identity as I was there. Um, at Harvard, um, even at ASU in undergrad and, and studying in undergrad especially, um, a dead language, um, you know, that has been around and been utilized by institutions that have not done amazing things for Native communities. I, I was a Latin major in undergrad. And so wrestling and grappling, I think, with, um, for example, the fact that I was learning this language, Latin, um, which plenty of people speak when you compare it to the number of Shawnee speakers, um, which are number around 200 as of the latest census data. And so here I was learning this language um, that I, you know, was part of my identity in some ways, right? I grew up Catholic. Um, but then I was, I was neglecting almost this other part of my identity, um, Shawnee. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking about in the future um, in terms of education and and then doing now is is learning Shawnee because I realize that I have a set of language skills um, and, and, you know, the ability to learn languages quickly and and we, it's an endangered language. And so one of the things that I grappled with a lot, one of the challenges was, was wrestling with where am I putting my priorities, my time. Um, And, and at the same time, people, you know, both, um, were were hesitant about me because I was so young as I was doing some of the things I was doing as I was teaching as I was pursuing graduate school uh, and at the same time I had amazing people who came around me um, just as I talked about earlier as a team that I want um, to do in the future as well that were like nope regardless of your age um, you know and embracing my identity as a, as a Native student um, we want you here in these spaces to talk and, and to move us forward in different ways. Yeah. Uh, what what went into the decision to get another degree, and then after you got that one, you're like, you know what, I, I think I need another one. What what kind of things were you uh, thinking about? What kind of drove your decision to get uh, degree after degree? I, I, yeah, no, that's a fair question um, because everyone's really going to stop after you know the, the master's degree. I think for me, um, we you know, there's a word in, in ancient Greek. It's kairos. It's timeliness. Um, and my degrees are all different. So it's not like I have, you know, bachelor's, master's, and a PhD in Latin. Um, I have my bachelor's in Latin. My first master's is in curriculum instruction. My second is in technology and education. Now I have a policy degree. I just think we need all of these lenses as we come to grapple with the future of education. We need a lens from technology. We need to know how technology influences policy and policy influences technology and how those influence curriculum and instruction. Um, and then grounding myself in a content area as a teacher, I think, was super important. And so for me, it was trying to develop those multiple lenses as I start to approach problems, because I I knew that one lens just wasn't going to be enough in the 21st century as we start to think about redesigning education systems. And so I I just realized I just wanted one more lens. I wanted a policy lens, and that was really what what the PhD was. You know, I had the tech, I had the curriculum instruction, I had the content area. But now how do I I really move things forward? And you move things forward with policy. And so that was what drove me to, to do my PhD. 
Right, right. Then then uh, you would be a, a, a good person to answer this question. You know, uh, Native students um, statistically have a low graduation rate from both high school and uh, higher education. What are some ways uh, we, we could improve that? I'll take the high school route and say, um, you know, what we do in high schools across the United States is we essentially say to seven, you know, to, to these 14 and 15 year olds, you know, you're going to manage seven different relationships with seven different people across math, English, science, and no one else is going to share those same individuals with you. You know, you have a different set of teachers than I do, essentially, and that, that goes across the board. How do we think about building school systems and schools where teachers actually surround students as opposed to students getting randomly assigned to teachers? And so at ASU, we're building team-based staffing models where teams of teachers surround a group of students, care for those students, get to know those students, their needs. And so we're piloting this right now at Westwood High School, which has a large native population. So one of the things that I think for high school graduation rates is to, is to be building these teams of educators who can surround students, provide them with deeper and personalized learning, support them in ways that they don't feel supported right now in, in, in schools across the U.S. because we've essentially put the burden on them to take care of themselves as opposed to saying, hey, system, let's build the and, and let's build systems that bring the right people around kids at the right time so that we can support them from, you know, their freshman year of high school all the way through graduation. And so that's just one of the ways that I think we can support high school students, at least native high school students, is by building these teams of educators. Got it. All right. Uh, that's Dr. Lennon Audrain. Uh, we'll be back after this break, but we want to hear from you as well. Tell us about the grad in your family. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Many stepmothers will have to share time and attention this Mother's Day with their kids' biological moms. But the bonds for blended families are no less valid. We will give special attention to Native stepmothers and the many joys and challenges they take on. That's on the next Native America Calling. Oyataki Awamit Salakilo, Chanisia Oichayo, Wian Wichon, Woi Hanke, Wokie, Yukhello, Isam Wasolat Chehanta, Leliao, go dot CMS dot gov slash Wian Wikigini Oapi El, Le Wot Hanaki, Medicare and Medicaid or Tietan Hiapalo. Oh, Hetchetuelo. You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. We're celebrating Native graduates today. It's your time to shout out and congratulate the grad in your family. Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's go to the phones right now. We have uh, Corrine in Uktaviak, Alaska, listening to KBRW. Hey, Corrine. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having um, this opportunity to speak. Um, so my son, Kolo, is Native Hawaiian and Inupiaq, and he's graduating All right. high school. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations, Colo. Um, thank you so much for calling in, Corrine. Uh, definitely, you sound very proud of your son. Uh, let's go back to um, Dr. Lennon Audrain over at uh, Arizona State University. Um, Lennon, what would your advice be to Colo and uh, uh, high school students who are graduating and maybe they're thinking about uh, attending college? What, what, what makes a good college student? A good college student finds the professors, finds the friends, goes to the office hours, um, and builds, builds that community and finds that community around them that will support them through the good times that will last with them and support them through the tough times. Um, the people that will be there for you when you need them the most and when you want them there the most, I think, would be my advice. All right. Thank you so much for that. Um, let's go over to our guest. Uh, we also have on the line, we have uh, Dr. Johnny Pulau over at uh, ACES, the American Indian Science and Engineering Society. Uh, uh, Dr. Pulau, um, I want to ask you the same question I asked uh, Lennon a while ago. What makes, um, what uh, goes into a decision to go after, um, uh, you know, a higher degree? What makes you, what, what kind of things should you be weighing and talking about with yourself and uh, maybe your family and, and uh, you know, friends and support systems? In the decision to go to college? Yeah, go to college or maybe get a, a higher degree, go after that, that doctorate degree or, or master's degree. Uh, I would say um, definitely, you know, you have to go, I would say go after your passion, go, go after something that you're very interested in. I always, I've heard, you know, try to find something that it doesn't feel like you're working, you know, that you're doing it. It's just because you love it. Um, I love what I do. So every day um, it's busy, but I always just love what I, at the end of the day, you know, I love helping people and I love helping students. So that would be my suggestion is just to find something you're very passionate about and that you really um, can put your whole heart into it and your hard work and dedicate it to that. And oftentimes with our Native students, you know, that's giving back to their community somehow, giving back to their people, and that's what I do. Um, but that's what I would say is just, you know, find something that you're going to really enjoy doing um, and make a career out of it. And I often think students don't know that some of the things that they love doing could turn into a career. Um, I talked to someone yesterday. Um, he was our speaker, and he loved playing video games, and he's now a game designer and a developer, and I thought that was so cool. You know, I think... Our young people don't know oftentimes that something that they're passionate about that they enjoy doing could actually turn into a career. And I think that's just awesome. So I think my advice is to, you know, find that, but also to explore all the things that there are out there. Because there's tons of positions and careers and fields that they can go into, especially in the STEM field. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, let's bring in some other recent grads we have. Uh, joining us from Hope Mills, uh, North Carolina, is Jay Locklear. She is a graduate of University of North Carolina at Pembroke with a degree in mass communications, and she is Lumbee. Welcome to Native America Calling, Jay. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. And uh, we also have in North Carolina, Pembroke, uh, Keely Jones Alessio. Uh, she is a recent and uh, a recent graduate from the University of North Carolina, Pembroke, also, and an Army ROTC second lieutenant. She is Lumbee. Welcome to Native America, Calling Keely. 
Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining. All right. So North Carolina, um, uh, let, let's start off with Jay. Um, what was it about mass communications that appealed to you? And, and what do you want to do with uh, your, your uh, degree, your mass communications degree? Um, well, uh, I've always been interested in television, even whenever I was young. Uh, whenever I was in elementary school, we had the opportunity to like present the announcements on TV, and I was like <clears throat> part of the first people that were able to do that. Uh, so whenever I graduated high school and it was time for me to determine a degree and stuff, I was like, well, this is something that I have been doing since I was a little kid. Um, and so I decided to try it out and see if I would like it, and I ended up really enjoying it. Um, and uh, I'm currently uh, planning on going to graduate school in Central Michigan University. Uh, afterwards, I'm planning on becoming a TV producer. A TV producer, all right. Um, so w what have you been doing uh, so far? Uh, I know you probably um, have produced, uh, you know, an, an episode of something, or maybe you've already been uh, having practice at uh, maybe the university station. Uh, tell us about some of the work you've already done. Yeah, so uh, just this past semester, I was the producer for our um, new show called Carolina News Today. Uh, it's WNPTV on uh, YouTube if you would like to check it out. Um, I was also the anchor for that for a semester, and I also did pre-production. We also have um, another show that airs on PBS North Carolina called Comic Culture, in which uh, one of the professors in our uh, the mass communication department will interview people who have worked on comics. And students uh, help run the show. So they run cameras and audio and all that kind of stuff. And so I was the audio assistant for one semester. Uh, and also I got to help out just recently in which we had an in-person um, show because we usually do it virtually. We had an in-person show in which we, could, we went to uh, a museum and got to interview about a, a political cartoonist. All right. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> uh, so um, was there somebody uh, maybe you've interviewed or a, a professor or maybe somebody in your family uh, who made a difference in your studies, somebody who encouraged you or or is one of your big motivators? Uh, yeah, so definitely most of the professors within my degree, but I would specifically like shout out uh, Dr. Jamie Liddy who uh, is like the director of the mass communication department and like just believed in me and every opportunity. Um, and anytime there was like something that came up, like uh, an opportunity to go do um, like a show or get in contact with, uh, I, at one time she got me in contact with a guy and I got to help run um, a horse. Uh, it was Horse and Country TV and they were filming like a horse race. Uh, and so I got to help with that. Um, and yeah, she's even the one that like recommended me to be the TV producer. I had no interest in being the producer for the news uh, before. And, and when she messaged me, and was like, hey, would you like to try this out? I was like, yeah, sure. And then I fell in love with it. So definitely she has been like my main motivator throughout this. All right. Uh, how do you plan to bring in uh, maybe your own heritage and uh, native stories into uh, your journalism work in TV? Uh, well, I am fortunate enough that Pembroke is a historically Lumbee school. Um, it was originally the, uh, created to provide education for Lumbees uh, in, in a time in which they were not allowed to pursue an education. So 
so it it worked out in my in that I could interview a lot of uh, Lumbees and feature a lot of Lumbees stories. Um, but as I go to Michigan and I have to learn about that community there and stuff like that, I'm hoping to make sure that they have a voice um, and make sure that uh, all the like uh, anything that could be of a concern or anything that they would like to bring should be front and center within my new show. I think that it's important to have like the original owners of the land have a say in what is being produced on their land. Um, and they should be both like front and center in everything that we do. All right. All right. Let's go over to uh, Keeley, also in uh, Pembroke, North Carolina. Uh, so you were an honors student at uh, UNC and you gradu- graduated summa cum laude. Um, uh, what, uh, t- tell us about the degree you have and uh, what you plan to do with it. Thank you. Um, I actually got my nursing degree from UNCP. And yes, I did complete um, SRG Maynard's Honors College, which was so valuable to my education. Those professors truly push us um, to just think outside the box. And I think that helped me along my nursing career. So I do plan to be an Army nurse. Um, I really want to take care of soldiers mentally, physically, spiritually, and just show them that love that a, a nurse should and, and bring back kind of the old style of nursing, you know, where we um, just spent time with our patients, talked to our patients, and really cared for them. All right. And what was it like for you um, balancing um, being an ROTC and then um, all your other educational requirements? It was definitely tough, to say the least. Um, I'm very thankful that I have a strong spiritual core. I do believe that God gave me the strength every day that I needed to get up and do what I needed to do. And the Lumbee culture is very, very close-knit, and I'm very thankful to have most of my family here with me. So just having my culture supporting me and my family and friends supporting me was such a big deal. And I did receive a scholarship from the Army as well as from my Honors College at UNCP. So that allowed me to not worry so much about financial struggles. Um, So I'm very thankful for that. And that allowed me to have more freedom to study and fulfill my requirements for both ROTC and nursing. All right. And what kind of um, uh, words of advice or, um, you know, philosophies did your family and uh, elders uh, in your tribe share with you about education and the importance of uh, education? Wow, that's a great question. So like Ms. Jay was saying, um, you know, previously women couldn't go to school until really UNCP when they were able to get their teaching degree. And my parents really raised me to not depend on anyone, but to really get your education because that's something that no one can take away from you once you have it. Um, And some other pieces of advice I've been given throughout my collegiate career is do a few things and do them well. Because if you try to stretch yourself to stand doing so many things, you won't do any of them well. But if you dedicate time and effort into a few things and try to do your best at those things, you'll truly succeed at that and you'll have your heart and your passion in whatever you're doing. All right. What did you like most about uh, school? I like the small classes the best. UNCP, UNCP is a rather small campus, but it's allows me to get 
one-on-one attention in ROTC activities as well as nursing school. So that was really helpful um, just considering the weight of being a new nurse and a new, you know, Army leader. I was able to get a lot of repetitions in practice scenarios, so that was probably my favorite thing. All right. I'm going to go over to uh, Jay again. Uh, Jay, what was your favorite part uh, of being in school, or what is your favorite part of being in school? Um, I, I would have to agree. I like the, the smaller class sizes. I really felt like I got to know my professors. They got to know me. Uh, and that's like, I feel like that's very important in, in school. And also like that helped me in which they were, they like, they knew me. So they knew what type, what I was capable of, which helped me get like more opportunities. Um, but I would also say that I just liked having the hands-on experience that I got with, uh, being able to do all these different things that I otherwise would not have. All right. And we talked a little bit about like balancing, uh, like with Keely, she's about, she was balancing her, um, regular educational, uh, studies and everything with being an ROTC. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have to balance, uh, you know, our, our social lives. Uh, we have to balance, um, you know, the, the time we have to dedicate, uh, you know, for different homework assignments, for different classes, uh, different textbooks, I remember being uh, in in uh, college and I had like six, you know, six reading requirements over the weekend and stuff like that. I mean, sometimes it's really tough. Uh, how did you, um, you know, find find a balance and maybe create a schedule for yourself, Jay? Or what, how, what would you be, what would be your advice to students who are, you know, trying to make sense out of all of these different requirements? Um, well, I am not entirely sure that I balance very well throughout my (laughs) time there, Um, especially because uh, I commuted. So it was about a 45 minute drive every day I was going down there. But what helped me the most was um, whenever the schedule is split, like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and I have classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, it helped me to be like, okay, I'm going to spend like Mondays working on my Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. Tuesdays is going to be like Tuesday, Thursday class. And so uh, it also like I just made a schedule for myself. Um, I saw what assignments were due and I would write it down. And then if I had like stuff to do at home as well, that would also be included. So just having a checklist is, is how I got through most of it, I would say. All right, let's go back to Keely. Uh, Keely, what would your advice be um, to making sense of uh, all of these different requirements and uh, uh, scheduling time for everything? What I always told myself when I was in the thick of nursing school and ROTC was free time will come later. Um, you know, we kind of have a stigma in our culture now where we should have a lot of me time, which is great. It is nice to have self-care time, but First and foremost, you must fulfill the requirements that you have obligated yourself to for school. So just be disciplined, be diligent, you know, grind it out, and later you'll reap your reward when you are graduated and you have your dream job. 
All right. <laughs> All right. Wise words. Uh, we would love to hear from you as well. I'm talking to everybody listening out there. We are celebrating uh, Native graduates today and uh, really looking at the importance of education in our Native communities. Uh, we have a couple of recent grads on the line with us today. We would love to hear about uh, those in your family. Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. And we also want to know how you traditionally um, honor your uh, grads in your family. Um, are there any, uh, you know, maybe protocols or traditions in your family that uh, you you um, hand down at this time when, um, you know, students in your family are getting their degrees? Uh, Again, that number is 1-800-996-2848. We're also keeping an eye on our social media. Just look at Native America Calling in uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we'll be back after this break. We're, we still have uh, Dr. Johnny Palau with us from ACES. That's the American Indian Science and Engineering Society. We'll be back after this break. Education sovereignty. It begins with us. That's the theme of the National Indian Education Association's 54th Convention and Trade Show to be held in Albuquerque October 18th through the 21st. You have an important role to play in the ongoing effort to reclaim education sovereignty. The agenda includes an educator day, a student day, professional learning opportunities, and the NIEA awards ceremony. Early bird registration ends July 18th at NIEA.org who support this show. This is Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. May is graduation season and there's much to celebrate. Are you celebrating the educational, educational achievements of a graduate in your family? Did you finally get your diploma? Join us uh, on uh, on air today. We are at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Uh, let's go back to Dr. Johnny Pulau. He's the Director of Student Success for ACES. That's the American Indian Science and Engineering Society. Uh, uh, Johnny, we were uh, just talking to a couple of uh, recent grads from the University of North Carolina at Pembroke, and um, you know, I, I think everybody on the show has mentioned so far, um, you know, support systems and favorite uh, instructors. Um, what would your advice be to students about finding those support systems? Maybe finding support systems like ACEs that uh, are there for Native students specifically. Yes, absolutely. And my name is Pula. Pula, sorry. sorry. Pula, yes. Um, but yes, I I think your first the first student who came on talked about community, and I can't stress enough how important it is for students when they come onto a campus to find their community, find those people who will support you, whether it be faculty, the teacher, um, the students. Um, these are mentors and people that will provide that support that you need. Um, 
these institutions weren't designed for us, for our Native students. And so it's important that we have that group of people, our friends, our teachers, who can really support us on our journey. So it's difficult. I went to a non-Native institution, and I had to have the support of my community, my Native community. Um, that's what helped me get through college um, and my graduate program. So I would just say um, that support is definitely needed. So for the students who are graduating you know, this year, when you go onto those campus, make sure you seek that help. Make sure you find those people that can support you and help you along the way. So there's going to be others that are just like you there, too, that also need you to support them. Um, but yes, so organizations like my organization, ACES, um, I think that's one of the greatest things that we do is provide that sense of community for um, our STEM students. Oftentimes, STEM Native students on campuses are like very, very few. Natives are very, very few. Um, Anyways, but even the STEM um, majors are even less, and I was one of those. So it's oftentimes you're the native, only native students in the lab, the only native students in the big lecture rooms. And so ACES provides these communities where you can find other students that are just like you at their institutions, and it provides that community of support. And I just love it. We have our national conference coming up in Spokane in October, and if, um, I would encourage everyone to attend an ACES conference because there's so so magical to see these connections and this community of support of people and students um, and our elders and our mentors there. It's just wonderful to see. Um, but that goes along with, like I said, our community of support that our students need. Um, I think as Native people, relationships, you know, that's one of our values. That's who we, how we, you know, came to be and survived so many years. And I think it's because of our community and relationships with one another and our, and our planet. And I think that's just so important that our young people still um, do that today, that we find those communities and we build on them. Got it. Uh, what about that financial support? Um, you know, finding scholarships and keeping up with, um, you know, money that is out there for uh, Native students and, and even non-Native students. How, how would we, uh, you know, find that financial support? Yes, absolutely. That's another um, support that ACES does. We do provide scholarships for our student members, which is free for our members. Um, we provide our scholarships for the STEM field, but there are other Native scholarship providers out there. So we actually have a, an, a group of us that have come together. We call ourselves the NNSP, which is the National Native Scholarship Providers, and this includes uh, Native Ford, the American Indian College Fund, and Cobell. And so we work together on um, different research studies and projects, but we also support all of our students. And we have students that are within all of our organizations that um, we provide scholarship funding to. Um, and we often host events um, together. We just had one in February where we uh, did a, a webinar and we shared details about our scholarships and our updates and information about them. Um, and actually, our ACES scholarships close on May 31st, so if you're out there, you still have about, you know, three more weeks to apply, um, but that's our deadline, and I believe it's also Cobell's deadline, too. So apply, 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 and that's another thing I would like to tell students is just um, go apply. There's funding out there, and it's not just Native funding, too. There's tons of scholarships out there. Um, you just need to go do the work and find, do the searches and do the um, applications. 
Um, and there's people that can help you with that and support you. I know I can with ACES. If you're wanting to apply for an ACES scholarship, I could help you um, there. Um, but all of our organizations have wonderful teams of people to help our young students with their scholarship applications because we know that's one of the barriers of college. And so we want to support and be there for our students. But the students actually have to do the work and go seek out that help and support and apply. That's one of the biggest things is just to do it. Right, right. Um, we do have a link to um, ACES website, or at least uh, Dr. Johnny Pulau's uh, bio on ACES on our website, nativeamericacalling.com. Uh, we have links to all of the students also um, who are on the show today. Uh, let's bring in another student uh, joining us from Farmington, New Mexico is AJ Begay. She is a recent graduate of Fort Lewis College and she is Diné. Welcome to Native America Calling, AJ. Hello, AJ. Here I am. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so you just graduated recently. How does it feel to have your diploma, your degree? Oh my gosh, you know, um, I'm a non-traditional student, you know, um, so I am a lot older than most most students that I went to school with, and, um, you know, I, <laughs> I've been trying to get my degree for at least, it's been like 20 years since I first started. I first started college and right out of the military, I'm a veteran, um, and I started right out of college and uh, right out of the military. And, um, and then, you know, life happened and I, you know, went through about three years of university um, in, at Austin P State University in, in Tennessee. And then life happened, you know, and then I moved back here to, to New Mexico, um, back to my homeland. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and just, you know, I needed to finish that and, and design is important to me. So, you know, it was, you know, what was best is, is just to go ahead and and just finish up that degree, which is so fulfilling now, you know. All right. Well, yeah, congratulations on that. Um, Might have took some years, but, uh, you know, it looked like a very happy uh, celebration. I was looking at some of the photos on uh, your Facebook page, and I definitely can feel all of that uh, pride you have uh, in yourself. Uh, and, and this degree is in uh, communication design, right? What, what is that? AJ? All right, we'll get AJ back in just a bit. Uh, let's actually go back to uh, Dr. Johnny Pulau here. Um, Pula, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pula. Uh, so, um, you know, I want to maybe do a little bit of uh, recruitment. How, uh, what would you say if you were recruiting a student right now for, um, you know, to go into science and engineering or, or STEM? Um, well, definitely, I, did, I would like to relay that um, the empowerment that Native, that we have with our Mother Earth, our Native ancestors were the very first scientists here on these lands, our lands, and they come from a long line of people who studied and knew about our planet, our Earth, our animals, and they still have that same type of wisdom and knowledge within them. So that's the first thing I, I would say is oftentimes we don't think we can be researchers or scientists, engineers, but I would always tell them that, you know, you come from a long line of those. And I think that 
um, it's so important that they know that. And oftentimes I don't, I don't think they do know that. Um, the second thing is would, I would like to relay how important STEM is for tribal nation building for our communities. Um, we need engineers, we need doctors, we need nurses, we need um, tech, we need data analysis, we need all of these things in the STEM field. And what they can do in those fields is really help build their tribal communities and their tribal nations grow and flourish. Um, there's a lot of health disparities within our people. Um, there's a lot of things that our communities need to grow. And the STEM field has many of those careers that can empower and help build our nations, and we need those for our people. And that's the second thing I would tell them. Um, but also, too, to just, while they're in schools, connect the dots of how what they're doing, like in our science courses, their biology courses, can actually lead to a career. And oftentimes, I don't think our young Indigenous students um, are told exactly, you know, what they're doing in their classrooms in the field in biology or chemistry, um, physics, could actually um, relate to a job in as an engineer, a chemical engineer, or um, a doctor, or a research, chemist research. You know, there's all these fields, and I wish that we had those connections. Um, but I wish, uh, I hope that our students understand that. And ACES, we have a college and career guidebook that really showcases how STEM careers can relate to their um, futures and their pathways, um, and how what they're doing in their classrooms can also uh, connect the dots to where those careers can go to. So that's what I would just tell our students, um, especially in the STEM field. Got it. All right, let's go back to AJ. We have her on again. Um, AJ, what is uh, education in community uh, communication design? That's what you got your degree in, right? Yeah, well, you know, that's that's a fancy way of saying that I'm, you know, a, a graphic designer, um, you know, illustrator, designer, um, you know, things to that effect. Um, so, you know, I'll create. Um, right now, I, you know, I'm really focusing on Native um, nonprofit organizations and working on some logos um, for them um, at a very, you know, little to no cost at all. Um, you know, and that's kind of how I want to start, you know, building. All right. Um, sorry, sorry about that. We lost uh, AJ. Um, so I, I also want to go back to uh, one of the other guests we had on the line, um, uh, Dr. Lennon Audrain. Uh, Dr. Lennon um, uh, Audrain, uh, recruitment time. How would you recruit uh, need a student to focus on education? I think for me, it would be getting them in front of other Native students that they could be helping. Um, the high school class that I teach right now, um, I have a few Native students in my class, um, and we go over um, to the elementary school twice a week, and we tutor in reading. Um, and I think, you know, as I think about my career, as I think about the future of the education workforce and the diversity of the education workforce and how we need more Native teachers, um, how important... Um, you know, relationships are, as, as one of the other guests mentioned, relationships are just so important. And so how do we get high schoolers um, who might be interested in becoming teachers to see how they can impact the lives of others um, as a Native person and, and to other Native students? And so one of the ways I think they can do that is through tutoring, through volunteering, um, but it would really be to build build ways for high schoolers to get in front of in front of and work with kids and develop those really meaningful relationships so they can see themselves in the role as an educator. 
All right, thanks. Uh, let's go over to Keely Jones, um, Alaseo. Uh, recruitment time, how would you uh, recruit a student to uh, focus on nursing or maybe uh, working in the military? I think it recruits itself, honestly. If you want to serve your country and you want to serve other people, um, you know, take care of their bodies, take care of their minds, um, serve be be a, a public servant to others and sacrifice some of your personal time for something much bigger than you you know the army or any military branch really is so much bigger than you and freedom is priceless all right uh jay locklear how would you recruit a student to focus on um journalism or uh tv journalism uh well i would say that uh there is a severe lack of native voices in types of fields and uh, we it's important to highlight native voices and I believe that you if you're passionate about um, you know delivering the news and uh, bringing light to situations that may otherwise have been left in the dark then I would definitely go towards journalism but also with mass communications in general we uh, there's a lot of creativity that comes into that, and you can bring a unique perspective by being an Indigenous student um, that otherwise is, is lacking in this type of field. So if you, you know, want to bring a Native voice to the public, I would definitely try out mass communication. All right, thank you. Um, also, we wanted to ask you, uh, will your graduate studies um, continue your interest in uh, communications? Uh, yes, I am getting a degree in electronic media production. Oh, nice. All right, um, uh, collecting those different lenses to look at, um, you know, different uh, fields in, uh, you know, your education. That's what we heard from uh, Dr. Lennon Audrain earlier in the hour. Um, I want to go back to uh, Dr. Johnny Pula. Uh, Johnny Pula, let's have uh, the last word from you. Um, any last words or words of advice for uh, graduates, high school graduates who are looking at uh, a future in college? Yes, I would just say keep going. I would just say I'm so happy and so proud of you and your families and community. We're so proud of you too. Um, I would just say keep going, keep being those great role models and mentors for our younger generations because we need you. We need all of you. I did my dissertation over Indigenous men, and I remember this story from one Indigenous man. And he talked to, I asked the question of, you know, what kept you going, what encouraged you? And he said he would go to graduation and see his aunt, you know, get hooded at master's programs or, you know, she would wear her cap. And he said that inspired him to keep going and to get his degree. And so all the graduates, I just encourage you to go to your graduation celebration and be proud of your accomplishments because people are watching you and younger people are looking up to you. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that goes for all of our community. So I just encourage you to go and continue to be awesome and amazing because we <laughs> all need you and we all are proud of you. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And congratulations to all the Native graduates out there. Join us tomorrow. We're celebrating another group of special people in Native America, stepmothers. I'm Andy Murphy. We'll see you tomorrow. Challenges to societal harmony abound. 
trauma, depression, addiction. In Native communities, these challenges affect nearly everyone. The Native American Social Work Studies Institute educates social workers for careers to address the needs of Native communities. You can be part of the solution as a peer support worker, community health worker, or a counselor with culturally relevant training from the Native American Social Work Studies Institute. Info at online.nmhu.edu. New Mexico Highlands University supports this show. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.